How we doing? I am your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob. Welcome to Station B.O.B. And let me tell you a little about thee. I am a kid from a Harlem hood who turned out good. I got educated like I should. Now I know how to help you grow to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. With that said, I am here to provide you with some clarity associated with the perplexity of the challenges in your life, love, and work. So, without further ado, let's get down on it. Enjoy the show. Yes, welcome once again, my friend, to Station B.O.B., where you listen to learn how to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. And, of course, I am your host, Dr. Rob. And, as always, once again, I am excited, enthusiastic, and filled with joy. And I thank God again for this opportunity to bring this podcast to you. I want to thank you so much for tuning in once again, my friend. And of course, I have another special podcast for you today. And after you listen to this podcast, please tell a friend, tell a foe, tell everybody you know to download Station B.O.B., the podcast where we provide content to make good people better, sad people glad, and sometimes... Just sometimes we just might make you mad. But of course, that is not our goal or purpose at Station B.O.B. If we make you mad, that means we got your attention. We got the juices flowing and we got you going, hopefully moving in the right direction. And with that said, we got a serious topic today to talk about. You know, I just want to share some current events with you. And I guess by now, if you live anywhere in these United States, then you are aware that there was a mass shooting on the subway in New York City. Yeah, that is not good. And from what I understand, a man walked into a subway car and at some point he set off some kind of smoke detonators or smoke devices in a, in an in effort to cloud, you know, to create a smoke condition in that particular subway car. And with the, when the smoke started, now I guess you can imagine how crazy that is here. You have a, a subway car full of people just sitting, you know, riding to work, trying to get to their destination. And then somebody comes off, comes into the train, sets off a smoke det- detonator, and then begins to let off, start shooting an automatic weapon. That is insane. And can you imagine how scary and frightening 
that was for the people in that subway car. Well, to that, I'm going to say a resounding no. I cannot imagine how scary that that experience was because it seems to me that you would have to be there to really know and understand how horrifying that was. Now, just to, I'm, I'm going to try to take you into that subway car just to explain the dynamics of what it looks like and feels like in a subway car. Now, you might ask, what is a subway car? Now, I'm not, you know, I guess in general you may know, but a subway car, of course, is one of eight to ten cars that are connected, you know, to make a full train load, if you will. And so, in case you don't know, I just wanted to share the specs of a subway car with you to help you see how this person could have easily killed everyone in that crowded subway car during rush hour on the subway in New York City. So, a typical subway car today is approximately 60 feet long and 5 to 6 feet wide. And on a typical day during rush hour, all 60 feet of that subway car is crowded with people. Not to mention, you know, that the other 7, 8, or 9 subway cars are usually full to the max during the rush hour in New York City. And I know that firsthand based on my experience riding the subway from the days of a little boy back and forth to school uh, up through the days of being a grown man back and forth going to work on my full-time job. So, as I said, during rush hour, the subway cars, they're usually full from the first subway car to the last subway car during rush hour. But in the case of a mass shooting, the, the, the crowded subway car may not be the worst thing. And you might say, well, what are you talking about? Well, what I'm talking about is, yes, the worst thing is that there would be a shooting in a subway car, no doubt, that is the worst thing. But what exacerbates that situation to make it even worse is that if you have to run for your set, your safety, which those people did, while in one of the eight to ten subway cars, the doors are locked. So the passengers cannot leave or run from one subway car to another for safety. Therefore, if somebody pulls out a gun in a subway car, there is absolutely, unequivocally, nowhere for the passengers to run. And essentially, you have to wait until the train pulls into the station. 
And only only God knows when that might be, especially under those circumstances. Every minute probably seems like an hour. Now, just for the record, I believe I mentioned a, a few minutes ago that I grew up in New York City and riding the subway was pretty much a, a daily occurrence for me. And I, too, had an experience on the subway where somebody pulled out a gun and it caused mass hysteria. Oh, my God. But, B-U-T, before I share that with you, I just want to talk to you about the evolution, I guess, of the subway. You know, I just want to take you back for a little bit because... You know, as I said, I grew up on the subway, and that subway experience from the time I grew up up to the time when I had to run for my life because somebody pulled out a big gun in a subway car that I was riding in. But before I do that, I just want to share with you my experience on the subway in New York. So in order to do that, we have to go back. We're going to go way back, as Jimmy Castor once said on one of his hit records. And I think it's, I think it's important for you to know what the subway was then and what it is today, which means... It was never good on a typical day. For instance, between the packed subway cars during rush hour, like in other words, when I was going back and forth to work, I think fortunately for me, I always, I had about maybe two or three apartments in different places in the Bronx and in Brooklyn. And so I have always been fortunate enough to live near the first stop on the subway, which means is usually when I get would get on the train in the morning, it would not be crowded and I could always find a seat. But then on the way back home is when I experienced the, you know, the packed subway cars. And then there were times when there would be train delays or just in, just a rush hour period. This, this is what I'm really talking about that infamous rush hour period riding the subways in New York in New York City. So during the rush hours it is hard to board the train. It's hard to get on the trains because they are so crowded and everybody seems to usually there's a like a pole to hold on to. And that pole is like right in front of the door. So if all the seats are full, people tend to gravitate towards that pole. So just imagine this. You I, I'm talking I'm talking concert crowded on those subways. And this is every day where you have to push your weight in to get on the subway because as i said everybody is usually just packed standing blocking the door holding on to this pole and then you have to push people out of the way 
to get off the train at your stop. And if you are not aggressive and if you are not willing to push forward, to push through those, those train doors, they do not stay open for too long at each particular stop. And so you have to be willing and wanting to push your way out. And for the most part, I was one of those people who pushed my way in, and I was also one of those people who pushed my way out. And that seemed to be the way of life for, you know, pretty much any and everybody, unless you were not from, you know, unless it was your first day in America, you may not have known what to do to get on or to get off. But for the most part, I pushed my way on, and I pushed my way off, and I have seen thousands and thousands of people do the same thing over the years. But not only that, while you are standing in between hundreds of people every day while riding to your work destination, you may, you know, you're so packed together. I mean, people are just on your neck, you're in other people's face, you're holding on. <laughs> I mean, it's, sometimes it could be hard to breathe. But you are so close, so packed together that somebody could be picking your wallet out of your pocket, as we used to call those people pickpockets. And so there's so many other distractions going on on the subway between the crowd, the trains getting stuck. Sometimes it may not be air conditioning, which I'll talk about that again in a few minutes. But there's so much going on, so many distractions, people packed so tightly together on these subways that there have been times when I've never had my, my pocket picked, but I've heard plenty of stories of those who have had their pockets picked. Or somebody may be lifting something out of, of, out of the purse of a woman who does not know because, you know, her pocketbook, her purse could be partially open. Now, you, now you have to know that everybody, all types of people ride the subway in New York City. And some of them are of bad character and look for opportunities. Just as I mentioned the pickpockets, then you had those who, if if a woman's purse was slightly ajar, I mean, if there was any opportunity for somebody who practiced picking pockets and picking purses, it was just easy for them to, Go stick their hands in the purse of a woman or the bag, any type of your luggage, and lift your money out, your wallet out, your credit out. I mean, that was that was a regular thing on the subway because the trains are so crowded during rush hour that it is hard to check your pockets or your purse. Now, I, of course, was mindful of the idea that, you know, there were pickpockets and and things like that on the subway. But the what what I'm talking about though is that the subway cars were so crowded with people standing close together 
at times it was just it, it's just hard to keep track of everything because you know you, you just don't know what's going to happen on the subway you're just riding through dark tunnels from one station to the next just hoping everything is going to be all right but as a as a new yorker i wasn't necessarily afraid or or scared or anything but it's just the unknown you know just that unknown like you know you get on and you just hope everything's going to be all right and then i have heard stories from some some of my female friends over the years how they have felt men humping on their behinds making sexy noises you know as if they were reaching a climax behind these women and these crowded subway cars can you imagine you're a woman, you're standing on the subway packed, and you, it's not like you can say, could you please move, because everybody was jammed in together, and you hear somebody going, mm, 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 mm. how crazy is that? We, I, we're talking about on your way to work or on your way home from work that you could, as a woman, be experiencing somebody uh, ejaculating while standing behind you on the subway. And then back then there were times during the summer months that these sub, these crowded subway cars did not have any air conditioning. And so not only were the subway cars packed to the gills, as we used to say, but also you could pass out because it was so hot in these subway cars. And then there were times when the subway cars, some of them had air conditioning and some of them didn't. Now picture that. Picture that. So that meant that you could be standing in the subway at your station say 59th street and you could see the train pull in and then some of the subway cars would be practically empty. And that was a sign that there was no air conditioning working or flowing in that particular subway car. And so then the car after that would be packed with people. And that was a sign that the air conditioning was working. So those are just some of the dynamics of a typical day on the subway in New York City. And I'm going to step to the side to let a promo in, and we'll pick up our discussion on the other side of the break. Have you read any good books lately? Your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob, is the author of three great books. In his first book, The Choices We Make, Robert takes a look at relationships to help readers learn how to have a good relationship with themselves before they can have good relationships with others. In his second book, Access Denied, Robert brings an eye-opening perspective about what happens to children and fathers when their relationships with the mothers of their children end on bad terms. Robert explores what he calls child pawn when a parent, usually the mother, uses a child as a weapon to hurt the other parent. Robert provides a let-go lab in his book to help parents find positive ways to resolve their issues in the best interest of their children. Light Up Your Life is Robert's latest book. 
Robert writes about the fact that we are all born with a special God-given talent. Even though we are all born with a special talent, most of us miss our true calling. In this book, you will learn how to find your special talent and light up your life so that you can become the person you were born to be and live a more fulfilled, purpose-driven life. Books are available at barnesandnobles.com, amazon.com, and Robert's website, relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and back to the show. Okay, welcome back. So as I was saying before, I let the promo in that during the summer months, it was it, there were times when there were trains coming into the station with some air conditioning, no air conditioning, or some in every other car. And so the summer months could be brutal standing in subway stations with no air conditioning. And I used to be, I used to wear suits and ties to work. And I remember while I was be waiting for the train to come into the station, I used to stand very still. I didn't even breathe because if you breathed, it was so hot in those subway stations, you would break out in the sweat. So I would just stand still waiting patiently for my train to come into the station. And speaking of the summer months, now is the moment and the story you have been waiting for. And that is the story about the day that somebody pulled out a gun while Dr. Rob was riding on the subway. Can you imagine that? But of course, I wasn't Dr. Rob back then, even though it wouldn't matter whether I was Dr. Rob or Dr. Bob. Somebody would have pulled that gun out anyway. But I just wanted to give you the historic context of when this happened. I think it was in the mid-90s, if you will, at a time when I resided in the Bronx. And from what I can recall of that situation, I was riding the, the subway going home on the northbound number two train. Yes, indeed. That was my train to and from work, the number two train. And at that time, I was riding with my girlfriend. And I don't know where we were coming from, but it was the summertime. And we was just chilling on the train, sitting there riding, riding quietly. And we weren't talking about anything. So, you know, I'm just sitting there looking around. And I just so happened to notice that there were two young guys. Uh, seemed like they were like having a little squabble. I don't know if it was about the seat, who should be sitting there. It was like a two-seat. It was a two-seater in the area that they were sitting. And they seemed to be just squabbling about who should be sitting down. But I don't really know what they were talking about. I was just trying to pick up, I was just picking up on their vibes as they were sitting across from me, you know, kind of like on a two o'clock angle. They, I could see them looking out of the corner of my eyes and they were on the right in the corner by the subway door. And so they seemed to be squabbling about this seat, but they weren't talking loud. I'm, I'm just looking at the, you know, the exchange. I'm casually observing them 
And, you know, and I'm getting this vibe. You know, I'm saying to myself, I think one of them, I think one of them may have a gun. And I don't know why, but it was just the mannerisms of one of those young boys that, you know, seemed to get my attention. And then not only did he have my attention, but I kind of locked in on him because I'm thinking if this guy is carrying a weapon, I need to know so I can get to stepping. Okay. And so I'm, you know, I'm constantly, you know, not being nosy or, or, or anything like that, but it was just that they had my attention and, you know, the young lady I was with, we, we were not engaged in any, any, you know, meaningful discussion. So those guys, you know, they had my attention while I was on my way home and, and just the way they were moving. And so their spat seemed to intensify a little bit. And meanwhile, I never said anything to my girlfriend you know, as I was so focused on what was going on between these young boys, you know, I think under normal circumstances, I should have said to her, hey, babe, check this out. You know, when I get a signal, we may have to get up and just calmly move into another car in the opposite direction. But, B-U-T, I didn't even think of that. I was so locked in on them and feeling the vibe that one of them had a gun. And so just as the train pulled into the station, 225th Street, which was my stop, the guy pulls out the biggest handgun I had ever seen at that time. And I'm like, oh, my God, but I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm watching this because I was locked in on them from the beginning. And then I never said anything to my girlfriend. Fine, pal, I turned out to be, huh? I just calmly stood up and started walking in the other direction to to move into another, a different subway car. So I started walking away from them and then kind of casually running in the opposite direction of those two fools who were fighting. At this point, now they're fighting over the gun. One guy pulls it out, the other guy grabs it. Then suddenly panic erupted in the subway car. Because the rest of the passengers saw what I saw, except I was slightly ahead of them. But they must have saw the gun, too. And so as I'm trying to get out of the subway car to go into another subway car. And and in those days, the, the, the doors to the subway cars, they used to open where you could move from one subway car to another. And so... People started coming from behind me, pulling on me to get me. Meanwhile, I mean, we're all going in the same direction, but these people are pulling on me so that so that they can get ahead of me. 
And I see them, people are slipping, falling. I'm seeing earrings, you know, all up in the air and Walkmans. You know, back in those days, Walkman was, if you don't know, was like a uh, recorder. Like a, it was the size of a cell phone and it had, you know, uh, attached wires that we listened to music in our earphones um, to hear the music. And, uh, you know, the Walkman was sort of like the first, it wasn't a cell phone, but it was like the first device we started carrying around in our hands, you know, 30 years before the cell phone, which we carry in our back pockets and, and our hands today. So at any point, people were screaming, and as I said, I saw Walkmans flying, earrings, earrings. I, I mean, people just all over the place, and then trying to pull me back so that they can get ahead of me. I mean, just picture that. Imagine that. Then suddenly, I remembered that I was with my girlfriend. Oh, my God. So, and that happened because I was looking back, and I just so happened to see her fall as she was being pulled from behind as everybody was scrambling to get out of that subway car. So... The courageous guy that I am and was, I went back to help her up and, and, you know, just like, you know, in the movies in the old days when the man goes back and get the woman and she's struggling to get up and, oh my God, but she was able to get up and we moved into the other subway car and and the train finally pulled into the station. But then the conductor did not open the doors to the train. And, and these young boys, they are still fighting over this gun. And me and the other passengers, we are yelling and screaming to the conductor, open the doors, open the doors, which seemed like it took forever for the conductor to open the doors. And then finally, finally, the doors opened. We got off the train. Then here come the cops running up the stairs. And then the guy who had the gun ran down the stairs. Now, can you imagine how crazy this scenario is? But in the end, nobody was hurt. And after... My countless experiences of a typical day on the subway in New York City, I would have to say that the moral of the story here is that the subways have never really been safe. But, B-U-T, if I could give you a tip or two on how to ride safely on the subways, I would suggest you ride in the front car, the first of the eight or nine subway cars, which is usually the car that's less crowded. And the subway car where the, the person who drives the car, which we used to call the motor man or the motor woman, that person is in the front car. I mean, they have their little area where they're locked behind a door. But people, that car is is probably one of the safest cars, subway cars, in all of the 
seven to ten cars that might be connected at one time on the subway, on the train. Because that person has a police radio in their booth. And if there's anything, if anything jumps off in that radio, in that booth, the motor man or, or motor woman can call the police and they will call the police without any problems. Okay. And so then I would also, you know, suggest the car, the middle car is where the conductor, that's the car where the, the man or the woman sticks their head out of the window in the in the middle of the train. And that person, usually you can find the conductor on the subway. There's a kind of a black and white striped um, kind of rectangle piece of wood. And the trains are, are programmed to line up where the doors, you know, when they come into the station, the conductor will always be at that position in the train station. And so... The, the first car and the middle car, which is wherever the conductor is, and that is the person who opens and closes the door. Um, even though lately there's been a lot of stories and scenarios reported on the news that, you know, people who ride the subways have not been very respectful to conductors these days. But they, too, have a police radio where if there are any problems on the train they can contact the police and the police of course will show up asap and so i'm glad i had my time in new york but i am also glad to no longer be in new york but i guess i will forever be a new yorker and you know there's no place like new york there is no place like new york but even more importantly, there's probably no place like the subways in New York City. And with that said, that's a wrap on the typical day in the subway in New York City. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and and enjoyed the time that you spent with me as I totally enjoyed the time I spent with you. And so, remember, you can get my podcast anywhere you get your podcast. And as I always say, remember, love is an action, not a word, and it's not supposed to hurt. Until we meet again, my friend, be nice to somebody you don't know. As we wrap up this show, I hope this topic helped you to grow. And now you know a little bit more than you knew before. If you have any questions about this topic, please email me at changeagentrtg at gmail.com. See my website, relationshipreadiness.org. To learn more about my counseling, consulting, and educational programs related to life, love, and work. Finally, in the words of the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., if I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he is traveling wrong, 
then my living will not be in vain. Until we meet again, do the right thing when nobody is looking. Peace, beloved.